0: Tonight we have a very, very, very interesting interview. An interview that I'm excited for. Uh, We're going to have Tor Abrams joining us. He's from the UK. He was featured on TEDx. And he does a lot of speakings about mental fitness. He speaks about anxiety. Um, He speaks about about a number of concepts that I think are really interesting to people. So I'm excited to have him. We're going to bring him in. And we're going to... We're going to get to right, right to to grilling him and picking his brain. Tor, welcome to the show, man.
1: Man, don't grill me too hard, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, look, I'm excited to have you because I think that, you know, on, on most of these podcast platforms, and we do it also too, you know, we have a number of music guests that come on, um, whether it's rap artists, R&B artists, but one of the things that we really pride ourselves on as a platform is that we speak to entrepreneurs. We speak to people that are active in the community. We speak to people that are app developers. We just like having conversations with people that have information to share. So, you know, researching you and watching your videos right. and everything and and looking at some of the different things that you talk about, I'm like, this is a perfect fit. This is gonna, this is gonna be a great discussion. So I, I think the best place for us to start with this is kinda how we start with everybody else. So what led to you deciding to become a motivational speaker and tell us a little bit about yourself how you got to where you are
1: yeah good question man so truth be told i didn't really choose to become a speaker as much as speaking kind of chose me and i know that sounds like a cliche right you hear people say stuff like that all the time but really what it was i at school so this is like when you're like 16 17 18 i had to get the grades that i wanted to go to my university right which i think is college for you guys mm-hmm. right yep, yep. i didn't get those grades and i didn't realize at that time that not getting those grades had a knock-on effect that meant that when i would then go to college first of all i didn't get into the college that i wanted to mm. secondly i would apply for jobs and the jobs that i was applying for this is two three years later would say you didn't get the grades back then so we can't let you in now right right and that's, that's the same rule of thumb here. So you need your grades in order to move it, forward. It, it, listen, and it and it does you so wrong, right? Yes, so sir. the thing for me was I said, look, surely not, like that can't be the end of it for me. I can't just not get what I want because there's one blocker there, right? Even though it's a big blocker, I need that's to right, figure out right. way around it. Right. So I used to do all these different kinds of things to just improve my lifestyle, just to improve my job prospects. I was just trying to self-improve it every day just to make myself nice. more a good candidate right i didn't know i was doing it for myself i was just doing it to just get my money Mm -hmm. and as a result of that i ended up doing some really cool things managed to get a really good job working at google straight out of university which is like for me was like an amazing achievement because i was never i never even i don't know anything about tech i still don't know anything about tech what were we doing doing at google i was doing sales there Okay. okay yeah yeah so i still do sales to this day but um, I kind of landed myself in that in that tech space, and that was all just a result of me just doing these different types of motivational type things for myself. I was just grinding, and then as a result of that, people then started reaching out to me and saying, "Hey Tor, how did you do this? Like, how did you land a job in that place?" And I, I just told people my truth. I just told them, "Look, it wasn't because I was super smart. Cause I'm not." It wasn't because i work harder than anyone else because other people definitely work harder than me it was mm-hmm. because i specifically chose to push myself in things that most people wouldn't push themselves in that's what it was right. and, and that put me in a position where i was able to then go and, and get that career so that's kind of what started me off and then after that more and more people wanted to hear from me and then i kind of said okay i'm speaking so frequently now i may as well make it into a, a proper business and
0: everything Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Okay. man you, you've done so much man
2: and Places Cambridge and Oxford. I mean, speaking in front of these large audiences—does any of that? How do, how do you feel about doing that, man?
1: Um, <laughs> I still get anxiety to this day. So one of the things that we may touch on a bit more was the TED talk I did was about the anxiety I had when I was younger and how I got over it. Hmm. Before every talk I do, I always get anxiety. Before this podcast, I get anxiety. I get butterflies in my stomach, and it's normal. Hmm.
2: Right, I was gonna say that. That's a. It's, it's a little. It's kind of like learning something new, especially if it's something that you haven't done, or never done. You get yeah. that little angst, like, "What am I to be? What am I to expect?" And that's the expectation anxiety brings. The expectation, but yes. you know, I find that, you just, just, just take the risk. There's a, there's a good risk when you move forward with a little bit of faith, and you start to realize, "Oh, I got this." This is all right, <laughs> before, but before you don't put the block in your mind and you don't put so many different obstacles like, ah, man, people gonna laugh, people gonna see, they gonna see the book in my nose, they gonna see all types of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and from that, you create a little bit of doubt and then you refrain from
1: it because you wanna be comfortable. Yeah,
0: Sometimes I don't
2: even
1: like being too comfortable right now, but that's my point. Yeah, and I agree with that absolutely as well. It's like making yourself too comfortable sometimes It just means that you're not moving forwards. That's all it really is. You're not making any progress. You're just like, I'm happy with what I've I've done in the past. Right. I'm going to keep doing it. Because to be honest, if you ever go into any new situation, no matter what it is, you're going to feel weird. You'll feel off. Mm -hmm. So the more you do those kind of things, the easier it becomes the next time. Right.
0: Yeah, well, well, everybody experiences General general anxiety You know, like that's, that's a, a common thing I think what makes anxiety sometimes An issue is when it becomes paralyzing for people Or they live in anxiety Let me ask you this, why do you think there's more of an Emphasis placed on physical fitness Than mental fitness Yeah, good question
1: Physical fitness is external, man And like, let's be honest about the world we live in Like, everybody <laughs> wants the external thing, Like so you see me here, I'm sat here, I'm wearing a shirt, right? When I'm talking to you guys, it's 10 p.m. in the UK and I'm sat here wearing a shirt. The reason for that is because I do sales and I've had sales calls just before this and I haven't changed since.
2: Okay.
1: If it was up to me, I would just be selling in like my gym wear, right? right, right. I would just wear, you know, whatever, I just want to wear and chill. But because people view you based on how you look, how you present yourself, I have to wear a shirt whenever I go to a business meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing goes with, if you see a guy pull up, um, outside the club for example he pulls up in a lamborghini or you know some expensive supercar or something like that you have an opinion about who he is as a person right and the same thing goes with physical fitness because physical fitness tends to lead to you getting a good body or good shape or whatever and that's something that people can see visually and that's the first really total impression people tend to put more of an emphasis on that right. so you would even find that a lot of the I don't know if you you two guys use Instagram but well, of course you do use Instagram because mm-hmm. I I know your podcast is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll see that there's a lot of people on there that are like fitness influencers and things like this and they've got great bodies and they can take great photos of themselves and things like that but inside them they're no better off than the average person. Mm-hmm. A lot of them maybe are more depressed than the average person because they haven't taken any time to fill that mental gap. They just mm-hmm. focus on physical. Um, and that's where the, the that's why people put more of an emphasis on it is it right is it wrong i can't really say because i've not seen a world where everyone puts more focus on the the mental side but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: people tend to put more focus on physical
0: yeah no i think you're right i think like it's that um the external validate the external validation like getting validation from other people in terms of oh you know you, you look physically fit or you look nice or this looks great or whatever it is versus that mental fitness i don't know if people are able to determine if outside folks actually have taken note of of it right so we do live in a society where people are very much um results oriented and they like tangible things they believe that tangible things you know show them results so if you tell a person like well i may not be physically fit but i'm mentally fit you know people are gonna be like well prove it you know how do i met how do i how do you quantify mental fitness right yeah.
1: people right. will say people will say if you're mentally fit why are you not physically fit that's the first lesson Good
0: point. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's a good point. So,
1: good point. and and that's the thing that that all comes down to their perspective and their opinions, and and I think that's just down to how we're raised, really. Like everything that's put in front of us is always the external is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, again, because I've got into the career that I've got into, working in sales, for example, I see this all the time. Because salespeople make big money, and people love to show off their like, Rolexes or their cars or all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, man. A lot of you people, like I've seen you people, you know, you people drink to make yourselves feel good every day.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: on the external side, you'll be doing stunting for everyone. Like, so yeah, it's, it's a crazy world, man. I
2: think it's it's the subconscious versus the conscious versus the subconscious. The conscious mind is pretty much the five senses: it taste, it touch you're seeing you're hearing and we get inundated by that we get stimulated by that and that's the reason why we want to see these tangible things but what we don't realize is that it's the subconscious mind that's doing all of your work Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you're out there being sensationalized by the Lamborghini and the fur coat and the girl with the bad body and all these different things when you come to find out who these people are what these things are like for one that's mm-hmm. not his car. <laughs> This you know, you takes that wig off, and the body's tame. You find out these things that are different. So, from your perspective,
1: um, how, how does how does one engage in mental fitness? So, it's difficult to say how one individual would engage because it's different for everyone, right? So, like for me, for example, I do cold showers. It's like a very easy thing. easy Mm. thing that anyone can do you can go into the shower, no one wants to turn it cold no person wants to have a cold shower I've done it a million times, I still don't like doing it but just to force yourself out of your comfort zone, you can Mm. turn it cold for a few seconds, a minute, whatever Um, but that's going to be different to someone else, so for me for example because I've done cold showers for a long time to push myself to a next level would mean I have to do a cold shower for even longer than before or I'd have to do a different type of thing Maybe something completely different that I've never thought of before. Whereas mm-hmm. for someone just getting into it, maybe a cold shower is a good one for them because that's something that like everybody does every day. Uh, everyone showers at some point, so you can just turn it cold and make yourself, push yourself outside that comfort zone. Um, but it depends on what you really need to focus on mentally as an individual. Mm. So not everybody needs to go in a cold shower to, to enhance their fitness. Like for me, I box. So cold showers and things like that are good for me. Mm. But... For a different person, maybe they need to focus on just not being on social media all the time. You know, maybe for them, them, their mental fitness might be putting their phone away um, for one day, just not using their phone for one day. And that might improve their mental fitness. And then when they come tomorrow, they're going to pick up their phone they're going to be like, I don't even need to do this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's the thing. It's going to vary person to person. So, what you kind of have to do is you have to audit your own life. Like, take a look at your own life and say, where are the areas I think I want to improve on for whatever reason maybe your overall goal is to get more money get a better job maybe your overall goal is to Mm -hmm. uh, improve relationships with people maybe find a woman of your dreams a man of your dreams whatever it is in order to do that what do I need to do to get to that level figure that out and then say okay what kind of mindset do I need to build to do that right and then start doing those things daily and most people tend... I noticed that most people that do these things tend to gravitate towards similar kind of things. Like, there's only a few things that people tend to do. Um, but everyone's going to start somewhere different depending on what it is they want to do. Do you, do, you, do you take cold showers
2: before... <laughs> you take cold showers before your big, your big speaking engagements?
1: <laughs> yeah, I tend to... So on a day when I'm doing a talk or a day where I'm doing any new activity, I try to do a cold shower that day. Mm. So the reason I try and do that is because I know a cold shower makes me think. All right, yeah, it's like I don't like this, but I got to deal with it anyway. Deal with it. So if yeah. I can force myself to do that first thing in the morning, then when it comes to me doing that thing later, it's like the same. I've really done it once today. Do you get my I right, yeah.
0: Can a, Can a person be mentally fit but undisciplined?
1: Oh, oh, that's a great question. Because I
0: feel like there's kind of like a correlation, right?
1: Yeah so you can be mentally fit and undisciplined in my opinion because you don't. Know, discipline doesn't necessarily mean that you're mentally fit i think everyone always assumes that if someone's got a good mindset they must be disciplined they must get up at 6 a.m and mm-hmm. meditate and go for a walk and all this stuff not necessarily you can find people out there entrepreneurs athletes and all this kind of stuff who say they have bad habits from time mm-hmm. to time but there's still some of the most mentally fit or disciplined people depending on how you look at it um do i think you can be mentally fit and undisciplined i would say that you all right it's the same as saying do i think someone can be fit but also um not be able to bench 220 in the gym Mm. like yes you can but there is still areas that you can improve on yeah
0: i had a friend that this is this is probably about ten years ago. I remember him saying to me, he was like, "I'm going on." He was like, "I'm I'm I'm going on um, like a spiritual spiritual journey." So I said, "All right, you know, explain it to me." He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to um, I'm gonna go to India, and I'm going to almost like this compound where he was like, I'm gonna be locked in um, on a on a compound and I can't speak for it. Nobody can speak to anybody for a week. And I yeah. was like, ten years ago, I was like, well. why why would you want to do that? And he was was pretty much saying, like, you know what? Like, I want to be more in tune with myself and my thoughts and move away from distractions and things like that. And he did it. And I remember when he came back, I was, like, asking him questions. And he said it was probably, like, 30 people. And I think he said only 10 people out of the 30 people were actually able to accomplish it, that there were a lot of people that they couldn't go for that period of time without talking. So I, I think about something like that and what you're talking about in terms of mental fitness. And I'm like, yeah, there is this, there is, I think like this, this, um, this need for us to kind of push ourselves, you know, and train ourselves. And one of the things that I've seen in terms of a shift over the years is that when I was growing up, we would have games like Simon, you ever seen Simon where it had the color thing, you push the colors, It would ring you know like it would show you blue you push blue it would show you blue green you got to push blue green yeah yeah, you had things like that you had things like tetris you had like memory games where you flip pictures and you had to remember where they were and to me those were games that were designed to help encourage mental fitness but for some reason the gaming industry and not only video games but board games also have seemed to kind of move away from that a little bit what do you attribute that to So do you know what? I would actually somewhat
1: disagree. So I would say that I think video games and board games, they still do encourage mental fitness. Okay. But the issue is that they're addictive. Basically, I used to play Call of Duty every day and we get a team together and think strategically and tactically. Now, that's a good habit to get into is being able to think in that way because that's what's gonna take you through life, right? Especially getting a group of young men together figuring things out, thinking of how we can build businesses and how we can achieve goals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay to do for maybe, you know, a couple times a week or for 30 minutes a day or whatever. But what video games have got people doing now is they're addicted to it. Like they're playing games like 12 hours straight. Right. Even these kids are being born with video games. They've not experienced the real world first. They've experienced video games first. Facts. Right? And, and they don't spend much time actually out in the real world. So that's the problem. It's not the game, the actual games, teach some good good teachings you know um fact that sometimes you fail in the game you have to be able to figure out how to accomplish goals right if you're doing that all day and you're not accomplishing any goals in the real world then what value is it really adding
0: yeah Yeah. no i i I get what you're saying you know the team building aspect the problem solving conflict resolution um things like that I, i could see how it could be helpful i do think though that that video games can be um addictive and i think that people do get sucked in to, to video games and spend a lot of time on video games and it paralyzes them from being able to move forward one of the things that i think that video games has eliminated and this is something that as i've gotten a little bit older of i'm starting even in my own life to try to be more conscious of is just mindfulness right mindfulness in a sense of just being present yeah like yeah. so recently um i've been i've been fortunate enough to go on like a couple of different vacations And one of the things that I'm finding myself doing as I go on vacations where people will be like, well, that's odd is I take I take less pictures than before I would take. And part of the reason why I take less pictures is because I want to actually experience where I'm at and enjoy where I'm at. You know, we live in a society where most of the time everybody got a phone in their face. Everything is a photograph or everything is a phone call text or whatever it is. And I think that part of that has to also do with people's inability to kind of be with themselves. Right. So to be, so to me, like just the, the whole aspect I feel around being um, being present and being mindful also contributes significantly to, um, to mental fitness. Because if you could sit your phone and I've heard people who have homes like this, too, that they come home and they sit their phone in a basket and don't touch their phone again until yeah. the next morning. When they, you know, I haven't gotten there yet, but I think that if you can get to a place like that, could you imagine how much time that you would have to actually be able to devote to your loved ones? Could you imagine how great that would be in terms of creating boundaries and things like that? But I, for some reason, I feel like we all, you know, that that's that's another thing that's on a continuum that takes people a period of time to get to a place where they can actually make those concessions. Well
2: you, you know, it's we'll funny. You know, it's funny. Pardon me, but you know, what's funny, what? Shy. You say that. Just a short period ago, we didn't have phones. Uh just not say this. And, and, and we, did, we didn't even communicate that. We waited till you got home to receive a phone call.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I
2: mean? And it's just for those that, let me just say, born in from 1980 and below, you know what I'm saying? Anybody that, does, that remembers pay phones, and, mm-hmm. you know, the moment where you had to wait for a phone call to get home, or even, you know, when you got home, your parents didn't even let you use the phone more than an hour. There's a reason for that, because the distraction and the time that you were using, talking about probably nonsense, Mm -hmm. wasn't the important thing to do. The most important thing to do was to know something about yourself, focus on being present, so that you be aware of the environment that you're in. Like you said, Sha, you stop taking pictures. You want to be present. You want to take in the environment that you're in, Mm -hmm. because it's outside of the environment that you're used to. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? And you're adding that, 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 that context
1: to yourself. Absolutely agree with the point about it wasn't very long ago we didn't have phones. Um, we didn't, or at least we didn't use phones. That idea of coming home and putting your phone away was pretty right. normal for everyone. Like, well, what's your phone yeah. in your hand for? Right. And only recently, see, the, the thing with the phone trap is is tricky, right? Because you guys do your own business, I do my own business, and you know that most business happens through your phone or through your laptop. Mm-hmm. So you need to have some level of engagement with that thing in order to make a living for yourself nowadays. True. Right. Now, that's a good element of it, but then the trap is that it's only ever two clicks away from you being on Instagram scrolling mindlessly, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you may be on the phone to someone talking about a business deal, and then afterwards you come straight off and you spend 30 minutes you know, mindlessly scrolling on the internet or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's being able to draw that disconnect is what's most important, which. Again, I personally haven't figured out either. I'm not the best at this thing. In fact, the next mental fitness type thing that I'm trying to do is detox from social media completely. Yeah. But it's hard for me, man, because going back to the point that Shannon was making about going on vacation, I vlog when I'm on vacation. So I'm literally the guy who always has his phone out filming <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had to tone it down from, I used to vlog, take videos, and then also talk as well. Like, mm. I then narrate the vlog. And right. I had to tone that bit back because I was like, look, man, I'll be on a holiday with my girl and like she wants to enjoy it and I want to enjoy it too. So let me just record the stuff now and then I'll it later or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just little things like that are, are just little fixes that can help move away from, from that being addicted to, to the phones or being addicted to social media. But it's tough. I'm not lie to anyone. That's a really tough one because the phone has benefits as well. It's not just like it's all bad. That's why. It yeah. Kind of, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of benefits, and piggybacking off of, uh, you know, putting the
2: phone down and maybe have not having access to a phone, what do you think were the benefits of the pandemic? If there are any ben- if there were any benefits, from from a mental health standpoint, I know a lot of people, there was a lot of lives lost, there was a lot of changes, a lot of fears, a lot of people lost their jobs. but I also think there's a flip side to having that downtime and not having access to the things you're so comfortable with using, that it gave you the time to
1: pick yourself apart and be like damn what am i going to do now Mm. yeah i think two things so the first thing is that people weren't able to do anything so they had to find other ways to entertain themselves that was like different so for example I don't know how things were over there, but over here, you were able to go outside once a day for like a walk or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the parks were more full than they'd ever been before because people actually started going to parks for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people, right? Um, we could even go to the park. Yeah, I, ne- I never used to go to the park because I grew up in a time when like, if I wanted to exercise, I'd go to the gym. Or mm-hmm. if I wanted to speak to someone, I would chat to them on the phone. There was never a need for me to go to a park ever. But mm. actually, during that period, I couldn't exercise in the gym anymore. So I had to go run around my park and maybe do pull ups or something like that if it was allowed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that kind of stuff. So that's one thing. It got us back more in touch with nature, mm-hmm. which, in terms of the mental fitness type of thing, I've noticed that a lot of people that tend to do mental fitness and mindset stuff, they all tend to gravitate towards nature eventually. Like, you know, whether that be just going to the park once a day or going for walks or whether it be moving to a place where there's beaches and things like that when people start to cut back on the the kind of mental junk type of things and start to get more mentally fit they always tend to end up in nature that's some a trend that i always see right mm-hmm.
2: and, and I, I, I think that's because you know outside of technology what else did you have technology yeah. is what grooms us into the world that we've become you know Microwaves, cell phone, I mean, telephones turn to cell phones, computers, all these technological things move, remove us from sitting at the beach, sitting under a tree, sitting at a farm, yeah. walking in grass. You know, kids play a lot of video games. I remember I would go outside at seven o'clock in the morning, first kid outside all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I'm saying? To the point where I'm outside all day and I didn't, didn't want to come inside.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know what technology has given us though technology has given us which to me is a bad thing is instant gratification yeah, right sure. instant gratification in a sense of you like well i know this person always got their phone with them so when i text them the expectation is that they respond when i email them i know they got email on their phone so you know they should they should respond it's like what you guys were saying earlier there was a point where you know after you left from school you didn't hear from your friend until the next day when you went to school when you saw them again, but that instant gratification piece, I think, is what's gotten us to a place where it's like everything has to be ready and accessible immediately, even with the microwave, right? Yeah. Why do we need to wait for the food to heat up? Just put pop it in the microwave, nuke it <laughs> real quick, and then and then yeah. we're good to go. That instant gratification. Now, if you look at it on the flip side of it, if you're a person who has become accustomed to that instant gratification, how does that translate to process in the real world, right? Like. Not everything is gonna come with instant gratification. So to me, like technology in a sense, like as great as it as as it is, like it does have some um some drawbacks in it. I'm wondering, self- self-talk. Do you feel that self-talk can hinder mental fitness?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the number one thing, actually, I'd probably say. Um you ever you ever actually done this exercise of asking people what they say to themselves? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great thing to do, isn't it? It makes you realize that everyone's self-talk is different, and people's self-talk usually dictates why they are the way they are. Fact.
0: Absolutely true.
1: That's a fact. And
2: I I, tell you all the time, ninety-five percent of the time, you're talking to yourself, even if you're silent. Yeah. Your mind is going. You're looking at the door. Oh, that's a. You're saying this. I'm looking at my door now. I know it's white. I know it's green. Mm -hmm. It's a conversation. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and, and I used to ask myself, but what is that? That's hearing <laughs> as I'm talking, <laughs> you know I'm because I hear myself. Although I'm not saying anything, but that—that's just it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I always tell—I tell my kids, I tell my wife, tell anybody else that's walking. Even though you're talking to me,
1: talking to yourself, bro. Yeah be very careful with the conversation but you can get level yeah yeah no that's 100% I agree I was I was talking to my boxing coach um he's had a ton of fights I can't even remember how many but he was explaining what he thinks when he's in the ring what he's saying to himself mm. and like
0: great analogy
1: the, the mindset is just there's no way you could lose when you're thinking like this mm-hmm. because you're <laughs> only thinking about winning. Like, <laughs> right 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 He's mm-hmm. saying stuff like, you can't touch me, I'm too quick, I'm too strong, blah blah blah, and that's what's going mm-hmm. through his head. And when you listen, listen to the guys like Ali talk, and say stuff like that, mm-hmm. they would say the same things. They would say all those kind of things. And it's because the way you think is exactly how your body's going to respond. So when I, going back to when I had anxiety when I was younger, I did a lot of research into it, because luckily I was around a time when Google was decent.
2: <laughs>
1: um, kind of search things for search mm-hmm. things up. There wasn't as much information as there is now, but there was mm-hmm. like it. Right. Um, and I would research about, like, oh, what causes it, blah, 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 blah. And I realized that what was happening is there's a certain point in your brain that takes on all the self talk that you're having and then causes you to make a response, your body to make a response based on the conversations that mm-hmm. you're having. And that response is known as a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Ah. You might have heard of this saying before, yeah. Of course, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the concept is, if your body um, is responding negatively to something, it's either going to put you in a state where you're ready to fight or where you're ready to run, which is flight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that's exactly what anxiety is. It means that I'm scared now. I don't, I don't want to go into the situation, so I'm either going to have to fight to survive or run. And if you're choosing the run option, that's when you start to get nervy and you start to get butterflies. So that's what I was suffering from. I'm going
2: to add on to that because just recently, well, I've been dealing with kidney disease for the last 12 years. I went through two kidney cuttings, right? One of the things I've learned during that period is there's a gland in the doctor system that sits on the kidney called the adrenal gland. Yeah. Every time you're in a fright or flight situation, there's the adrenaline and cortisol that comes out of that gland. Now, what that, that chemical does When you're in flight, if you ever notice someone getting chased by a dog, are they ever caught? (laughs) (laughs) Because the adrenal, because the adrenaline that comes out of the cortisol, out of the the adrenal gland, the the adrenaline and the cortisol is the extra boost. That's like a rocket fuel. that allows you to climb a tree, climb a flint, Mm -hmm. climb a wall, dip on a dog. You know what I'm saying? But if if you're in that fear, and you're not using it. Mm-hmm. So we can get you can you can see someone get get you know unfortunately you can see someone get shot. You can mm-hmm. see someone in a car accident,
0: paralyzed, You
2: can see fall off a bike, fall off a bike, and that might that you you feel that like damn that oh damn you know not that you're in fear but you, you kind of feel that your body's yeah. responding to that response and building chemicals in your body that if you're not using it it turns toxic yeah and that toxic that toxicity and the harmony and i tell people all the time and this goes with thought because if you're in fear all the time that means your adrenal gland is working overtime,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's wearing you out so that time you feel fatigued and you even climb no stairs mm. how am i tired you know, then you then you get lazy and then it starts to compound and all those different things and it's funny that you mentioned that because i've been i've been paying attention to that how i think and over the years You know just living in New York In the area that I grew up in I walked around in fear bro I'm not even gonna sit mm-hmm. here and hold you You know what I'm saying Whether it was on my block or In my neighborhood You had to watch You don't even know if cops are coming Who's coming What's coming What's gonna happen I'm like man I've been living like this Yeah I right, another There's a question I had that, that related to that But to your point Yeah that, That's That fight or flight situation Is serious yep. That,
0: that self-talk too also I think in terms of like even like with people's Health like you know like those You need those you need those daily Affirmations you know and I feel like a lot of Times people don't people don't realize that Self-talk can Actually manifest itself into something Negative for you like if you walk around all the time Talking about damn I know I'm gonna lose this job Damn I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna lose this job It sort of becomes like a self-fulfilling Prophecy yeah. you know like imagine going into a Job interview and like there ain't no way I'm gonna get This job or whatever you know like i don't think people realize the power of words and how their words translate to actions and i think a lot a lot of folks um create mental barriers as a result of self-talk like they tell themselves all the wrong things that prevent them from progressing in life
1: yeah and and that's school that does that to people because school when you go into there the teachers are always telling you what you did wrong
0: it's mm-hmm. very, very
1: rare that someone comes to you and says, you did everything right. Wow. Um, I think that there's a, it may not be an Einstein quote, but I vaguely recall an Einstein quote where he went to a board in front of some of his students and he mm-hmm. was writing mathematical equations and he did one times one equals one, two times two equals four, three times three equals nine, and he went all the way up. And then eventually he got nine times nine and he wrote the wrong answer. He went to about 81, but he put like 18 or something like that and everyone started laughing at him and saying, look, you're wrong and he's like, well, I got all these other ones right (laughs) and nobody said anything when I got everything right they only mentioned when I got things wrong and that's how people think so for me, what I feel anyway and this is just, I'm someone who is not opposed to the school system I think the school system is a great idea but I personally think that the school system could be managed a lot better because I know that there's a ton of people that could have absolutely smash things if schools manage a bit differently mm-hmm. um, the school system does that man it instills fear in people and makes them think was right. like I'm going to go into this exam and I'm going to do badly because the teachers have told me I'm going to do badly the whole year mm-hmm. or you know what I do not like authority because I always used to get in trouble when I was at school for my teachers and just little things like that that then play out throughout your whole life and you, because you've been having that self-talk whereas what a teacher should really be doing in my opinion is they should be showing teachers um, children how to speak to themselves in the correct way to get a positive response mm. that's the absolute that's best that. thing a teacher can do you can teach me maths that's fine you know i can i could learn maths from the book i don't actually need someone to show me you could, teach, mm-hmm. I could but if you could show me how to think for myself and think in a positive way that's going to benefit me way more throughout my life
0: then yeah. i'm
1: doing a lot more things
0: yeah all those things that all those things that have been told to us and have been instilled in us play out like in, a, in our subconscious right so yeah. we, 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 we've we developed this level of hyper, hyper vigilance around all these things as a result of the subconscious what is it that we could do to get people to bring the subconscious to be I guess to bring the subconscious to the conscious to be more aware of it because at the end of the day like I don't know if you guys have ever heard of I think I shared it with Rob before um Johari's window that concept Right. And uh, Johari's window, you know, like this is the Reader's Digest version of it. It's basically, you know, it's it's a theory that says that, you know, there are things that we know about ourselves that we don't share with the world. There are things that others know about us that they may share with us. There are things that others know about us that they don't share with us. There are things that we share with people. So the whole theory basically says, like, there's some level of awareness that we have, but there are blind spots that all of us have that we're, you know, unknowing about ourselves. And I think that the people who tend to be successful are the people who have the ability or find a way to kind of tap into that that subconscious, that unknown and make those things known and become conscious of it and use that that level of consciousness to actually formulate a plan to how they go about their day-to-day in life.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great point. So I hadn't heard of it called Jahari's window before, but Mm -hmm. the similar concept is known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Mm -hmm. Mm And it's the idea of there's certain things you know, but there's certain things you don't know, and then there's certain things that you don't know you don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How would you ever know that? So, what to answer your question? Honestly, in my opinion, is the absolute foremost thing that someone can do to improve their life ASAP. And the reason I say that is because you have things that you know that other people may not know about you. And you know that these are maybe negative things. Maybe you have some kind of addictions or some kind of um, things that you've put to one side or swept under the rug that maybe you you know you could do better. on. But you need to first of all be honest with yourself before you can be honest with anyone else. So you need to be able to look in the mirror and say, this is something that I want to solve. I'm going to focus as much as I can on solving this. And a really easy way you can do this is by having a conversation with yourself and then going to a loved one or a friend or a peer and saying to them, hey, look, I'm trying to work on this thing. Can you hold me accountable kind of thing? Ah, Mm. That's a really easy way of doing it because at that point, they know now. So now it's like, it's no longer a thing that only you knew about yourself. Now someone else knows. So it makes you accountable. Right. Or if you are someone who already has that kind of mental capacity to work on things on your own, it's just a case of, sitting down and saying, this is something that I think I need to change. Here's the steps I'm gonna to do to change it. Right. You may have some slip ups. Um, it may not be a straight straight road. Uh, one of the things for me is, I don't think there's anything wrong with you trying to change a habit, but failing a few times before you actually get there.
0: Mm-hmm. You, know I mean?
1: you hear stories like that all the time, right? people who are maybe coming out of rehab if they had a- Yeah, of
0: course.
1: Yeah. yeah that's normal, and I don't think it's strange for someone to go cold turkey. Sorry, I think it would be strange for someone to go cold turkey on something just overnight. Mm -hmm. At that point, you're like, was it really like a thing that you were battling? You were just able to turn it off like that? Like, Obviously, there's going to be setbacks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing would be about having that honest conversation with yourself and saying, this is what I know about myself that I want to change. And then if you're able to change that, change it as best you can. You may fail, you may not. But having someone hold you accountable is going to make it even better because now, yeah. one that loves you that knows that you're trying to work on this thing,
0: it's like having it, approach. Yeah, Sorry. I don't know. Have, have you have you ever? Um, are you familiar with Brene Brown's work? Um, mm-hmm. Brene Brown. She's wrote a she wrote an amazing book called Dan Greatly, and it's about vulnerability, vulnerability yeah. and accountability. And it talks about how vulnerability ties in to great leadership. And one of the things that she talks about specifically is that people's inability to be vulnerable sometimes hinders their own growth right yep. because if you if you if you're unable to hold yourself accountable how are you gonna how's somebody else gonna hold you accountable like there has to be some level of vulnerability for people to actually be open to feedback yeah right? and you, have to, you have to have enough trust that people are giving you feedback with good intentions because they want you to improve but a lot of people a lot of people struggle with that piece. And I think that that hinders their ability also to, to actually, you know, to move stuff that was in their subconscious that they may not be aware of, you know, to the conscious and to actually do the work around it, you know, because yeah. there are things that there are things that all of us do, with no rhyme or reason, we just do it based on our experiences or what if ha- what has happened in our life that influences how we operate
1: yeah yeah and on the vulnerability piece as well i think a lot of people today are are told that vulnerability is a sign of weakness weakness yeah, yeah which is which is a common one and i understand where it's come from Mm -hmm. because there's a time and a place for vulnerability i think that what people think is they think all vulnerability is bad and people do this a lot of things they they take one statement and then they say okay that must be bad under all circumstances
0: a negative connotation to it yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah (laughs) The vulnerability. There is certain situations where it will make you feel you know, seem weak. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I box right. I know if I go into the boxing ring and the opponent sees that one of my legs isn't working, mm-hmm. that's a sign of vulnerability, right? That's a sign of weakness. They'll mm-hmm. take advantage of that. Yeah. But when it comes to something like trying to work on improving yourself, like you're saying, you have to be vulnerable in those situations. You have to be willing to say i am okay with feedback whether it be negative positive whatever it be mm-hmm. i'm okay with that because that actually isn't vulnerability that's strength if anything mm-hmm. right
0: yeah or as a leader you have to have the ability to say I, you know what i don't know well i don't have the answer yeah. or like some yeah. people feel compelled that they have to know everything and have the answer is that, is that
1: the ego is that the ego stepping in and be like oh hear yeah, nothing you got to say yeah that's the that's the yeah. ego but at the same time that that <laughs> ability to say i don't know needs to be somewhat earned though as well i right. think is another mistake people make so if you're a leader and you've accomplished great things you know 99 percent of the time you've been able to do the right thing and then there's one time where you say you know what i don't know people will respect that more mm-hmm. they'll be uh, willing to come to you to try and help you solve the problem because they're saying you know what you've done good all these other times and this is the one time when you don't know so we're not gonna you know it's you're not perfect no one's perfect we're not gonna shame you for that Mm-hmm. instead of trying to figure out
0: how we can help because you're the right person um and yeah, I- if you never if you don't ever know though you're incompetent yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> that's not if you don't ever though
1: that's different but it's like you should know what you should know mm-hmm. and then there's other things that maybe you just there's no way you're gonna know it
0: yeah like i, I do like like i said if you ever get a chance to, to just check out like some of her work i think she did a ted talk too um brené yeah. brown Um, She wrote Dan Greatly and she does a lot of work around vulnerability. Like she's very, very, very good. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the concept of infinite human desire and how you believe people should actually manage infinite human desire? Um, You really did your research, man. That's what we do on this podcast.
1: (laughs) We (laughs) dig deep, we dig deep talk. Yeah, man. Infinite human desire is... Well, i mean it's pretty self-explanatory right every single human being has desires that go on its own. so whether that be a desire for money whether it be a desire for power food fame um nothing is ever enough so let's say you go to the fridge right now right you go to eat something it tastes good tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to want to eat that thing again Oops. desire to, to desire to consume something isn't going to go away let's say you earn more money next year than you had ever planned to earn, the year after that, you're going to want to earn twice as much as that. Right. Even though even though you never planned to earn as much before, you're still going to want mm-hmm. to earn twice as much. And mm-hmm. let's say that you get the dream job that you've always wanted. Well, now you've got that dream job, you're going to ask them to promote you, give you an even better job. Or you're going to want a dream car, you're going to want a dream house. So no matter what you gain in life, you're always going to have more desires. And that's natural, really, because if you didn't have more desires, you wouldn't be able to exist. You would just... Literally wake up in the morning and there'd be no purpose for you to do anything So you need to have desires on an ongoing basis now the thing is That's normal having all those desires, but being able to deal with having them is what people struggle with Mm -hmm. Because it means that there's never going to be a point when you are content You need to literally say to yourself that I am content that needs to be going back to your self-talk point Mm -hmm. That's the conversation you have with yourself you need to look at what you've got and you need to say, Do you know what, I'm happy with this. Right. I'm happy with myself. And then the flip side of that as well is that you can think in terms of infinite desires, right? So when your life is on an opposite trajectory, you're thinking of desires getting more and more and more as I get more and more stuff. But there's the opposite, right? You may also have situations where you have a lot of things that, that you wanted, you may lose all those things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the situation where, again, those desires are still going to be there. But you also need to be content to say, I'm okay with what I've lost as well, which is even harder, right? Because, you know, life is um, you may have a lot of money. You may lose that. You may have a loved one. You may lose that. You may have something that you really worked hard for. You may lose all that. But being able to be content with those situations, I think, is more important Mm -hmm. than just having desires in yourself
0: yeah i yeah. want to say real 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 quick as it relates to that i think um like we were talking about earlier about words that have negative connotation i think content is sort of one of those words that have found yeah. its way to having a negative connotation also content is almost plays that a person has settled yeah. but um almost like to, to your point which you just exp- how you just explained it you know um i teach undergrad students in college And one of the exercises I would do with them that has nothing, it has absolutely nothing to do with the course that I teach, but I just do it because I want them to begin to prepare their mindset for life after college. And one of the things that I talk to them about is like, what is their expectations as it relates to graduating from college? And everybody's like, well, upward mobility, you know, to get this promotion and make all this money and all this stuff. And so I always say to them, I'm like, well, what's your, you know, what's the dream, Amount that you think That you're going to make When you graduate from college And people Oh $60,000 Right So when I hear them Say $60,000 That tells me that You know They're making less than that now And that they think That $60,000 Is a lot of money Which you know Not to discredit How much The value of $60,000 But What what I explained to them Then after that Is that when you make $60,000 You're going to Live a $60,000 Lifestyle Nine times out of ten And then you're going to be like Well I make $60,000 Now I need to make 80 to sustain this lifestyle, this lifestyle or whatever it is. All right now, I'm making 80. Now I got it's just a, a, a repeat cycle. You know, it's a cycle. It's, it, it goes on and on. And I think that um, a lot of people don't really understand that these things are like internal concepts in terms of happiness and you know um, being content and things like that. Like if you look for external things to give you happiness and to make you content or whatever it is that's fleeting like you know yeah. when I was younger my parents you know I was fortunate enough that my parents you know it would buy myself for my siblings Jordans video games or whatever it is and I think because I had this experience at a young age I realized that my happiness didn't come from them you know because I would get these things and then a few days later I'm like yeah the game is corny I need this now I want yeah. this I want that or whatever so at a young age, I begin to actually conceptualize and say to myself, like, you know what, my happiness, how I feel about myself, how I feel about the world and life can't be linked to these objects. There has to be some. Yeah, it, there has to be something else, you know, and it's not this outside thing. Maybe maybe it's about the experiences. Maybe it's about the process. Right. Maybe it's about my um, my my ascension of going from a point of where I made 30,000 and then now I made 60. Like maybe the happiness comes in that. Right, that I've went from making thirty to sixty, and I could be happy about that. Not the fact that you know, I earn sixty thousand dollars, and I think that 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 concept is very difficult for people to grasp. And and in, in what I find is I think a lot of people struggle with happiness and trying to be able to sort of decipher. Okay, so what is it that actually makes me happy? Right, because you see it all the time. There are people who have millions of dollars. You know, or they're, they're children of celebrities who have millions of dollars, and sadly, they in their own lives, you know, because they have some form of depression or they're unhappy, or yeah. whatever it may be, you know. So I think when we link um, mon- monetary things or, or items and stuff like that to happiness and fulfillment, that is just it's just not something that's sustainable.
2: It starts to wane, man. You can't attach happiness to tangible things. Happiness is not tangible yeah it's not mm-hmm. something to touch you know what I'm saying it's not something that you can see and, and that you'd be doing yourself a disservice buying items buying cars and jewelry look you know what I'm saying trying to acquire it's these the things
0: of happiness which, here. which is
2: usually in our desires because we want these tangible things and we think that they're you know they'll make us happy you don't, you
1: don't yeah mm-hmm. one more point on the happiness piece as well which is I don't think you can even attach happiness to happiness itself so it's fleeting <laughs> it comes and goes so that's life Like yeah. being able to experience both happy and sad is part of life mm-hmm. that's what that's life is about you want to experience the sad days so that those happy days feel even better Exactly. So I'm, I'm always worried about being happy like I'm going to be sad because I'm always worried about being happy do you know what I mean I need to mm-hmm. just accept that some days are better than others. Some days it rains outside. Some days it's hot. Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean. Um, and if and if there and if there was no yeah. sag how could happy exist?
1: Yeah, exactly, really? exactly. It's both. It's, it's like polarity, man. How, how cold you want it, how warm you want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So uh, similar to yourself, Shannon, I speak to students, as you know, and um, undergrad students, and I try and teach them that same thing. I'm just like, look there's going to be bad days you're going to have down times but what you need to do is get used to being able to deal with those times because then you're going to be even happier when you actually do come out of it and you Mm -hmm. won't stay down that's what you don't want you don't want someone to get sad and then stay sad because that's known as depression right when you're Mm -hmm. continually sad you want people to be able to deal with those things as they come rather than telling everyone that life is going to be perfect once you've got that dream job because that's not true that's Mm -hmm. just so how, how does one overcome Limiting beliefs. So, overcoming limiting beliefs, I've learned is hard. So, I know you're, you're quoting me, you're quoting that question based on topics I used to speak of before. And what I would usually say is that limiting beliefs, you're always going to have them as long as you're human because being human in of itself is limited, right? There's only so fast you can run. There's only so far you can walk. There's only so much you can perceive. If you are unlimited, you wouldn't be human anymore. So you're always gonna have some level of limited belief. All you can do is adjust to which that level is at. So let's say, for example, you've got limited beliefs about how much you can earn. Well, you can easily turn around and say, do you know what, I earn this much now, but, Let me do a bit of research to see how much other people earn in my industry. Oh, they all earn around the same amount as me. Well, then maybe let me look at other industries and see how much people earn over there. Oh, they earn more than me. Okay, well, now I can see that actually, maybe I'm not the one who's limited. Maybe it's just the space I'm in that's limited. If I was to move over there, then I could actually have more opportunities. Or. Maybe the specific thing I'm doing in this space is limited, but there's other ways that other people have learned more than me by doing similar, similar industry, but different types of roles or jobs. So you can always shift your limiting belief. You can shift the line at which your, your perspective is limited. You can't fully overcome them. I'd be lying if I said that I believe someone can fully overcome every limiting belief you have. Some limiting beliefs are actually there for good reason, because I'm limited enough to know that I wouldn't go into the sea full of sharks because i will just get eaten, right? Like, that's a good limiting belief, but what you're probably more leaning towards is like limiting beliefs that are negative or toxic. And those
2: are... Yeah, I'm sorry, go.
1: No, 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 I was only going to say, and those ones, I think, all you can do is shift those along by changing your perception, doing your research, I think is an important one. Knowing what (laughs) can be done, seeing what other people have done. Um, and know your own limits as well. If you're having those honest conversations and self-talk with yourself, you know what you can do. And just doing mental fitness exercises every day, if it be something like a cold shower, right, it's gonna change your whole perspective on on limiting beliefs going forwards in the future as well. Yeah, yeah.
2: They,
1: they are. You're right. They are. there are things limit that would
2: limit you from not hurting yourself to put yourself in a bad position. So, what, what are your what's your opinion on? the imagination and how
1: it's used or not used? I think the imagination is the most beautiful thing that we have as humans. I think people, what they tend to do is they tend to perceive the world around them so they see what's in front of them and then they form their imagination based on what they've seen. Whereas you actually have the creative capacity to think of new things that you've never seen before. Right. Uh, most people don't push themselves to do that though. Again, coming back to the mental fitness type stuff, if you were to sit down and you were to push your creative imagination, this is how some of the greatest movies of all time have been made. You know, Let me take a movie like, I don't know, Avatar for example, right? At the time that film came out, everybody was amazed by like how amazing the, the, the cinematography, cinematography was. cinematography. Yeah, the stuff was mad. Someone sat down and actually thought of that, even though they've never seen it before. They actually thought of that from their own imagination. So they used their imagination to create, Mm. Rather than being reactive to their imagination. So, Rather, would, would that, I mean, to cut your wisdom, but would yeah. that help with limited belief? Would that help with limiting beliefs? Absolutely. Yeah, if you can create thought processes in your own mind, well, then naturally you're going to figure out ways around your beliefs. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so, it will really help to shift that along. Yeah.
0: So, so, how do you think mental fitness ties into helping a person move? from an idea to an action? Because the implementation seems to be a real thing. You got, you can have all the imagination and creativity in the world, but if you're somebody who becomes paralyzed with just, I'm just an idea person. I got 50 million ideas, but I can't implement anything. You know, what can a person do in terms of mental fitness to help them move from an idea to the actual action stage?
1: I can give them a mental fitness exercise to do right now. Um, let's say you've got an idea. Let's say you've got an idea, right? And you want to bring it to fruition. What I would do is I would literally pull out my phone or a pen and pad or whatever and write down on my notes all the different ways that I could take action on this idea to make it reality today. And what you will do eventually is you'll, you'll make 40, 50 different things. Some of them will be absolute rubbish. Some of them will be things that actually might work. And you might get that one idea that actually you're looking at and you're thinking, you know what, this makes sense anyone who's stuck in that, in that situation of I've got these ideas and I don't know how to go to action you actually haven't sat down and thought of all the different ways that you could go to action mm. and what might be limiting you sometimes going back to the unknown unknowns um, mm-hmm. Jahari's window mm-hmm. maybe you just don't know the answer but maybe there's someone else that you know who could have the answer so sometimes your imagination can only stretch so far based on what you've experienced someone else may actually have that ability to help you out. So don't be afraid to ask other people is another thing. I think people, right. people hate asking other people. Um, and I think again, that comes back to school because in school, they used to teach you that cheating was bad, you know, copying people is bad, right? Whereas you see some of the most successful entrepreneurs, all they did was just copy someone else's like, entire business idea, right?
0: And, in, and, in, and it, hence the name of the show, No Ideas Original. They take somebody's idea, and enhance it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enhance it I think I think what happens a lot of time also that prevents people from moving to the action stage is I think that there are easy built in excuses like yeah I don't have the fi-. you hear a lot of times you go I don't have the finances well because you don't have the finances doesn't mean that you can't work on another part or whatever the idea is to make it actually get to the point where it's actually you know a deliverable yeah. So yeah, one yeah. of the things that I really appreciate about um, Rob and I with this podcast is that you know It's the idea. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. And it wasn't, we need to get in a studio. We need somebody to give us $10,000. We need to go out and purchase all this equipment. No, we'll come into my basement. We'll sit down. We'll come up with our topics. We'll be our own producers. We'll do our own editing or whatever it is, because we wanted to actually move into the action stage. And I think a lot of times people get paralyzed so often with the ideas. Like, you know what? I have all these ideas. You know, this is what I potentially could do. This is what I want to do. But they never, they never quite take the next step to bring yeah. those ideas to fruition. Fear
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's man. paralyzing, man. It'll freeze you up every time because the fear of the unknown is like, how am I going to do it? And I always tell people, man, don't worry about them. Don't, don't sit there and say, I don't have because Once you repeat that, yourself, once you repeat that to yourself, you won't have it. You <laughs> won't have
0: <laughs> it. The self-talk goes back to the self-talk. I
2: tell, I, I, I tell y'all this. I go to a dispensary here in Connecticut. And because I, I was officially got a dispensary card, I go to the dispensary, get medication, whatever the case. And I'm watching all these people going. I'm like, what would it be like to have a growth farm? So I inquired about the information, what it takes, all of the third. And the first thing they said, well, you need two million in capital, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, and I knew, I knew they threw that at me to say to scare me off.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: my million dollars? I got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I told
0: myself. <laughs> you're
2: not, you're not going to take the idea that I have and have me throw it in the trash by me worrying mm-hmm. about money. Yeah, for you know, one, I know money is no. There's no scarcity of money being on this planet. I have it so wealthy. That money, money can come. Money can come from an investor. Money can yeah. come from the three of us. It, it, yeah. I mean, if you keep that mindset, it'll always come about. And that's what I meant by limited, limited thinking versus imagination. Because the imagination is strong enough, and you can you can see the vision in your eye. Once you see the vision, it's already yours. Yeah. You can you can bring that intuition. You have to focus on what it is that you want, and of course, work towards it. And trust me, you get an investor, somebody you meet at damn Starbucks or something, mm. talking about something like, hey, you know what? I know a guy, X, Y, and Z. Before you know it, you got camaraderie there. And things start to marinate and start to mesh. Yeah. That's the
0: problem. There I think there are people though that realize that they have the the wherewithal to all understand that they just are idea people when they sell their ideas you know like there are people who are like oh, I have a great idea and you know somebody will come along and purchase the idea from them and fund it and further develop it like there was um, there was a guy I used to used to um, work with when I worked for this organization and his response to everything you could come to him with anything you wanted to do you are like man I want to start a program doing this and doing that his response to everything was just do it just do it. And I, and we used to always be like, damn, like this dude is so ambitious. He's not thinking about any of the other intangibles <laughs> that go with doing really? it, you know? And then it hit me one day. It's like a lot of the stuff that he said that we went to him and was like, we want to create because at that point he was, I think the executive director or the regional director, whatever it was, the things we want to create, we created underneath of him. We didn't have the funding. We didn't have anything. It may have been put together through bubble gum and tape. Right. but he was just doing it he was just like pulling right. us back let's just let's just do it and as I got older I began to appreciate that you know that let's say, okay if this is something I want to do let's let's just do it kind of thing you know and then later on these other pieces will kind of fall into place like if you have a good enough idea and a good enough product somebody gonna come if you don't have the funding some funding is gonna come from somewhere to make it come to fruition to put it to put it out there for people to consume you know it's just I just think that there are some people that because of fear don't ever advance past the idea stage like i think they get comfortable in the fact that these are just ideas that i have you know and for fear of them failing you know i'm not i'm not gonna actually move into implementation you know but i look at if you look at if you have up late nights and i don't know if you guys have it in the uk but on late nights Across my TV comes 50 million infomercials of all these different <laughs> products and these different ideas and things that people. Somebody sat down and was like, you know what, this can opener is really nice, but you know what would enhance this can opener? So they may not own the patent on a can opener, but whatever enhancement that they've added to it, you know, that's somebody who believed in their idea They yeah. said that you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through and see now whether it's profitable or not. That part I don't know. But again, you know, to me, that speaks to people who can move from an idea to actual implementation or something.
2: Yeah, let's do it too, because just do it. Although Nike uses that term. Mm-hmm. Nike is a Greek word for victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Nice. That one. I learned yeah. it today. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, just on that piece, it, it ties in nicely to what I was going to say about victory itself. Um, Shanon, you made a good point about you know, you see these commercials and you're not sure if they're profitable or if they're not. The way I view life is like, it doesn't matter if they're profitable or not. not. Mm. You had that experience as the entrepreneur that created that product. You had that experience of going out, creating a product and now look, it's on the TV, man. Like that is a win in itself. So when Mm. we're thinking about victory, we always view victory as the ultimate. I created the product. I got all the money I needed and so on and so forth. What a lot of people don't realize is that For people who make a lot of money selling something there's still more problems or obstacles that come after that you don't Mm -hmm. just make 10 million dollars and then that's the end no now you've got to deal with like legal situations and Mm -hmm. um, staffing and there's more and more things that are going to keep coming right for you to be able to sustain yourself so we need to always take some point and say do you know what i've had success just doing this step and i'm happy however it goes after this I'm still going to put in all the work to do the right things to get the money to get the result and all those things never negate those but people just need to turn around and and start celebrating the small wins rather than just waiting for that big big check at the end the
0: the, win for Enjoy yeah. the
1: moment, right? You enjoy right. the movie. Because at the end of the day, life is just a series of experiences. That's what
0: it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, oh, what you're talking about is 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 um is self-actualization. Like, you know, like um for people, I always tell Rob this, like, man, I see a lot of the movies on 2 and Amazon Prime and stuff, and I look at these movies and I'm like, they're not the great the greatest quality, but somebody sat down, wrote a script, had yeah. a camera yeah. and was like, I'm gonna make a movie. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. A movie and, and if that was me, just to see my movie on that platform i would be like rob i made a movie i made a movie you know and it's funny that was the goal and that was the goal yeah it's it's funny you say about like this this small victory stuff because at that same organization when i was working there you know i had a, a number of different people that reported to me and we would go in to meet with the funders and you know early on we would get into like these heated debates with the funders around like um, the deliverables, the results that they wanted as a result of the programs that we were implementing and stuff like that. So I started training the um, the, the staff that were underneath me to understand and say, like, okay, what is it that you would help, What is it that you would like to accomplish um, by having this meeting? That's going to make you feel some level of satisfaction, right? And people was like, well, I just want the person to um, to acknowledge the work that I did or this that or whatever. And by having them kind of talk through that that changed the whole dynamics of the meeting because it wasn't about going in the meeting and actually trying to win the meeting. It was, you know, once they heard a person say, well, I know you guys are doing great work. These are the things we want to prove on. I would just look at them and be like, well, that's your, that's what you wanted out of the meeting. You wanted them <laughs> to acknowledge that you were doing great work. And I think that sometimes people aren't wired to, to, to actually accept that. It's like, you know, like you don't always have to have your back against the wall ready to fight. If you're, if you're, the greatest way to me to unarm somebody, right, is if you know that they're adversarial and they approach you in their adversarial to just be nice to them. Because people are so geared up for a fight, that if they see that you're like, nah, I'm not approaching you from an adversarial standpoint. A lot of times it throws them it throws them off guard. They're like, wait a minute, what is this? I expected for there to be some, some level of conflict or something like that. So again, like just to tie this up and come back around, like the, that piece around self-actualization, like the fact that, you know what? My right-handed can opener is on the infomercial or my movie that I put together that I filmed on my iPhone, my movie is on Amazon Prime or whatever it is. Like, those are the small victories that we have to take from and have enjoyment, you know? And then maybe the next step is figuring out how do I get somebody to fund it on a larger scale or whatever it is. Right,
1: right. And the mistake is assuming that the person whose movie got funded more than yours is happier than you are. Or is a better movie or it's a better movie. All these things, they're all intangible things, right? There's no way of any of these things. So that's the thing of why people need to hold, people need to hold themselves accountable for their own contentment and how they feel about things. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it's just going to be this endless loop of I'm not good enough. And and I'm someone who struggled with this, right? Um, I've done a lot in my lifetime that when I say what I've done to other people, they're like, wow, how have you done all that? And then there's times where I doubt myself and i'm looking at myself like i've not done you know i could be doing so much more i've not done enough so that just goes to show that there's no such thing as one size fits all it's not like just because you did this you should be happy it's like you are re- responsible for how you feel you know what you've done. Um, yeah. and other people can't come along and tell you your movie's better than this guy's or worse than this guy's because what does it really mean at the end of the day See so yeah. your movie if you thought it was good
0: then it's good Good. i mean my comeback if it was me i'd be like but you why you my movie was on where's your movie yeah (laughs) show (laughs) me show me show me show me your credits show me your movie like that in itself we just i think we've become so conditioned that we minimize like things that are are major accomplishments like you shot a movie and there are people who that they'll shoot a movie on a budget of like five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars that you look at it and you be like, "All right, I see why it costs five or ten thousand dollars." But then you go watch a movie that had a budget of five million or ten million, and you be like, it's the, you, world. In the
1: world. <laughs> you see the credits, you see all those names at the end, and it's like, "And this uh, movie, what,
0: yeah, like, like, what did they, what did those people do other than get a check?"
1: Yeah, right. True.
0: So it just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's society, if it's if it's us that we have condition ourselves to look at these things and don't accept like this as an accomplishment. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I think that that's this as a society, or just people in general. Like we have to, we have to get comfortable with actually acknowledging our accomplishments and our milestones. Now, I'm not saying that you you set the bar really low and you step over it and pat yourself on the back, but I'm saying like you know, there are things that people do that are great feats that they minimize and be like, well, I didn't really, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. I didn't really do anything that somebody else would look at and be like, that's my ceiling. But that's your flaw. Yeah. Right? Like I would I would there, there are people that they aspire to do things that 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 are great things that probably Richard Branson is like, that, that's what you wanna do with your life? Yeah. Or <laughs> most is like that, that right. So it's different strokes for different folks.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's all this that's all any of this comes down to. It's like I've never once sat down and spoken, I speak to students all the time, I've never once spoken to them and thought you should listen to what i'm saying because i'm better than you or i've done more than you i'm just thinking most people in your life are going to come along with this whole they're better than you mentality whether that be your mm-hmm. boss at work or uh your parents or your teacher they're all going to come with you with this angle of i know more than you so you should listen to what i'm saying and i'm saying the opposite man i'm saying no one knows you like you know yourself that's fair. literally you are the only person who knows yourself as intimately as you do Mm-hmm. So any decision that you make in your life going forward, I can't be the judge of. Only you can. Yeah. Um, and that's why I always say that honesty, it kind of comes full circle to what I said earlier about honesty. That honesty is the most important skill that you can have because if you're honest with yourself about what you can and can't do or what you believe right. you can and can't do, then at least you'll know if you're moving forwards or backwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Trigger. Is there a mental hack, a mental health hack or exercise to deal with triggers? to deal with triggers. So like let's say for example you're someone who gets angry easily and there's certain things that, that trigger or so, or someone or someone who knows you
2: may know that, you know, you you could have done better off a a, a went further off in life. Mm-hmm. But they remind you of it like you're not like your cousin.
0: That's antagonizing.
2: But yeah. <laughs> but 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 it but it but it triggers the person it triggers the person to feel like here we go again yeah why you gotta bring that up why you always gotta bring that up you know what i'm saying is there is there there a mental exercise when faced with that to be like stop
1: that Yeah, yeah yeah so and this is a common thing that happens to a lot of people like especially in black families right you may get other family members who say you should have done this or you should have done like, right. that a high, high expectation placed on us. Right. Um, you know, my answers are always internal. I never look externally, so I never look at the other person. What a lot of people will say is you should cut that person off or something like that, which I've always thought is, you can do that, but I thought that that's like a last resort. Like, I'd rather solve it myself first than trying to cut them, cut them straight out of my life.
0: Right.
1: So I was looking internally and say, why does what they're saying affect me? Is it because I think that that particular thing is true because if it's just a complete lie right it's no different to like when your friend makes fun of you and it's a joke like mm-hmm. you won't you know, you won't feel any type well you'll just laugh it off but if someone's saying something that's hurting you there that's actually because you feel that that is something that maybe you should have done better or something mm-hmm. that you that you've got uh, and then ask yourself the question of why am i attached to this thing is it because um it's something that i believe i could have done better or is it just because it's something that was a big part of my life something like that And then you can choose to go one or two ways. Either you can choose to resolve it. Like, let's say for example, there's some um, particular thing that you said you were gonna start and you never started. Maybe now's the time to start, I think, because it's still obviously hurting you. So maybe it's yourself. Right, I got you. Or maybe it's just a thing of, I don't, I made a mistake once and I can't undo that mistake and it is what it is. I would have that self-talk and that self-conversation with, with myself to say I know that that thing that I did wasn't the best mm. but at the time that was the decision I made and I live with it and I just take all the consequences that come with that right? no, and I cool. think that's what people can do it's, it's, <clears throat> a, it's a difficult thing to do probably one of the most difficult things to do but to accept your flaws and forgive yourself your is, is, it's all you can do man. like there's, there's nothing else really that you can do other than just like let it eat away with right? Except it yeah. and move on,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, sure. We know, we know you gotta go, but, but um, before you leave, tell everybody where they could listen to you. at uh, Give out all your social media if people want to get in contact with you, um, yeah. Good
1: thing, so yeah, cheers. So, I've got two YouTube channels. So, the first one is called Talk Talks, that's where all of the talks that I do at universities, um, or any other type of place, they all go on that channel. There's going to be some new content coming on there soon so I haven't uploaded there in a little while, but I'm doing a lot more stuff at this moment in time. So you're going to see some big things. Nice. And then I've got another channel, which is more active at the moment called Tour Imagination. Ooh. That's a vlogs channel. So you're seeing, I travel around the world pretty much, and you're seeing all the different locations I travel to and all the different activities I've done, like scuba diving, snowmobiling, climbing pyramids, things like this. So all that stuff is over there.
0: Nice. Well, Tor, thank you for joining the podcast this evening. We appreciate you. We are especially tuning in from UK. I think you are our first international guest, also.
1: Yes, sir. Across the pond, bro. <laughs> Hopefully, I represented the the UK folk well. Absolutely.